following presentation was recorded live by the Jewish Ethics Institute. We start, we start a topic which uh, on the surface seems somewhat not exciting, but it actually is very exciting. Um, so we, we're discussing the, some of the medical applications of Pidyon Aben, which is redeeming the firstborn, and um, how that applies. So, so we, what uh, was amazing, for those of you who missed it. That's not transplant, that's tissue removal. Uh, uh, a follow-up of tissue. Tissue transplant. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so we're going to get there in a second. So we, we uh, what was the, one of the amazing things I found, and one of the amazing things that amazes me in general, in my life, not much amazing me, but is, uh, is that uh, many times you'll find things in the Talmud which seems somewhat totally hypothetical and irrelevant and sometimes even crazy to that the rabbis thought of such cases. And lo and behold. And lo and behold, um, when you, modern technology, which there's no way they could have known that, um, or maybe they or could maybe, have, uh, um, uh, it seems to um, have, the, these Gemara seem to have made ramifications for those things. So one of the things we mentioned was the question of of if you have a uterine transplant, which is, um, I don't think it's very common, but um, it has, uh, you said the first one was in Saudi Arabia in the year 2000. Mm -hmm. So it was the first uterine transplant. So the question became... The first baby was born from just a uterine transplant a week ago. Yeah, they just this announced it. Yeah. Oh, wow. That? See that? Wow. It's changing as we, from last week's yeah, class. Yeah, okay. Was it so yeah. Sheep or yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so so yes, yeah, so, so amazing. Yes, yes. Sorry. No, no, very <laughs> sort of in between. Oh, see it. that? It's Look at that! News. I didn't even know. <laughs> I didn't even know what it was. But you did. Yeah. Maybe. You uh, just hadn't seen it yet. Just <laughs> like the sages in the Gemara. Yes, as I'm saying, amazing, amazing. <laughs> so uh, the the point is, so the question became relevant to the issue of Pidyon Ben was um, the question that arises with this new technology is how um, do we view it? Since we said the Torah makes a stipulation of Pidyon Ben is it has to be Petarechem the child that opens this womb. Oh. So the question is if you have a donor who already gave birth prior, if it's a live donation or whatever the case is, um, comes from a live donor. So this uterus was already open by one baby. Now you transplant it into, an, into this woman and now she's having her first child. So the question is, is this child obligated in Pidyon Bukhar and Pidyon Aben because it's the first child for this woman but it's not the first child for this womb. Okay. So how does that work? It would be best if Thank she you. had a girl. You're welcome. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that, <that's laughs> Many like people would argue it always would be best. It's awesome. like buying a used car. It's new for the person who just got ah, exactly. So how, does, how do we do a, a uh, recycled room? So to speak? Um, for sure you're yeah. Okay. So it's a great question. So yeah, there's no way question. to figure this out. But lo and behold, oh. I happened to discover this Gemara in, in traffic cool. Wow. Wow. Happened to be last we week. I was just uh, reading this to Martin. This, um, I think he does. And is this the same? So the Gamaro again going through. This is, by the way, this is referring to the Talmud. The context here is animals, not humans. Um, although we'll see, and it's not. It could be that is enough of a distinction that we cannot <coughs> bring proof from here, and we'll get to that. Mm -hmm. But. Uh, the Gemara here goes through some really wild cases discussing, again, because animals also have the same biblical obligation if your animal, your kosher animal, unless you own a donkey, which is also, um, if you haven't owned a donkey, you also have a, an obligation to redeem the firstborn male animal. Okay? Um, in those days, and they would actually be bring it as a carbon. As we mentioned last week, it's very problematic today if you're a rancher in Israel because uh, the, since we don't have a Beit HaMikdash, we can't bring the animals a sacrifice. So it has this din of holiness. There's nothing you can do. You can't redeem it. You can't really do anything with it. So you just basically have to leave it out to pasture. So there's a lot of loopholes that uh, they try to find. Um, uterine transplants and things like that. But um, whatever the loopholes are, they, they, they actually can sell it to a guy. Like your chametz, you sell the, the fetus prior to birth or during birth. So it's a complicated issue and it's, it's very relevant if you're an observant farmer in Israel today. Um, rancher, not farmer. 
But the point is, so this Talmud, this Talmud here is discussing many seemingly ludicrous cases, and amongst them, I'm not going to read the whole thing again because we did it all, we read it last week and we ended, but there's two cases that would seem to me very relevant to this question of uterine transplants. So one is, it discusses a um, case here where it says, um, what, so what, one of the key things, and it's going to be relevant to other cases we'll discuss today, which is the question of chatzitza, which is, as we mentioned, there's, anytime there's a, I think the English word is interposition, which I'm not sure what that means, but it means chatzitza. Chatzitza means interposition, interposition means chatzitza, but I'm not sure what either. But basically what it is, is, is uh, there's something, just like let's say a woman or a man goes to the mikvah, there's something on their skin that's not allowing the water to touch their skin. So the halach is the, the uh, immersion is invalid because you need to have comp- need to be completely immersed in water. So if you have a, a bandage, a cast, or things like that, so it becomes an issue. So the question here is when the, the Gemara seems to be addressing this issue, when the fetus is emerging from the birth canal, let's say there's something, there's an interposition between the fetus and the birth canal. Um, so how does that work? So it discusses what? Forceps. Right, well, we'll talk about, we're going to get to forceps. That's actually relevant, but uh, that would be one case. But here, the question is, so it mentions a bunch of weird cases of interposition. One is, it says, what happens if it comes out, first of all, and it's in the amniotic sac? Then it discusses what happens if it comes out in a different animal's amniotic sac, which is a very strange case. How would it come out in another animal's? And amniotic sac. Okay, so that's one thing that I think would be might be very relevant <coughs> to this question of uh, of uh, uterine transplants. Again, they had no way at the time of knowing that. But it seems like I'm guessing, and this is just a pure guess, that the reason why they're discussing all these weird cases is because even at this time, when the Talmud was written two thousand years ago, they wanted to try to get out of it was a problem. They, you know, they didn't want to be stuck with this animal has Kedushas Bechar, has holiness of a firstborn, and they basically would have to be put out to pasture. So in order to get to circumvent and to find a loophole for the mitzvah, they would try to do a different thing. They need to wrap it in something while it's coming out. So again, they would, then it didn't, it's not opening the room, it's not touching the side of the womb, things like that. So one of the things they might have done was taken an amniotic sac from a different animal and stuck it in there and, and, uh, and come out. That's my guess, but I have no idea. Um, the other question is it then discusses, and I don't have it. Either. A lot of effort. So yeah, that's what I'm saying, but it's better than being stuck with an animal. You can't. You literally can't do anything. You can't. Just have. To, you have to feed. You can't kill it because it's holy. And or you, you could, but I mean, just. So if you avoid the pikrocholi, not pikrocholi, the first animal. The the next yeah. yeah, because the next one surely is not opening the womb. Once this, the womb was opened. Whether it's yes, open, but yes. you're not obligated for paying yeah. in a bank. Yeah, the, the next one exactly. so that so gets that you out of it. So it gets you, you get out of jail forever. Card, yeah. So to speak. No, so if the Bihar is defective, it actually, then you're exempt. So when that's another loophole. They discuss is that you. You in utero make a defect in the animal, which would exempt it from being a bechor. So then you off the hook also, which is something that was done. Talmud discusses that, um, that you, but it has to be in utero because once it's you born, you damage the animal. Then it's in a little way, you make a cut on its lip, little things that would effectively. I mean, that's really invalidate it from a carbon, but not damage it. So the, the logic is you just don't put a bullet in w- wild there. That it's it's better to damage even yeah, if it's a yeah. minor trauma yes. to traumatize the fetus. Well, you're not traumatizing the fetus by making a cut and slip. Come on. Then no. to worry That's about the, the punishment. Listen, we're of, not talking about PETA here. We're of not sacrificing about the animal because it's we're, a poor. PETA would probably be protesting <laughs> outside the clinic. <laughs> I mean, yes. you're, you're causing enough damage, right? To Consider it to be a damaged fetus. D- damage in the sense it's not valid for a sacrifice. Right. A sacrifice so has to be perfect. So that's a, a exactly, significant yes. amount of damage. Yes. No, it's not. Yeah. A it's, it's not. It's not. Just, just, just a Torah. Just so like, for example, a cut on a li- li- cut on the upper lip would be s- enough damage to be considered that it invalidates as a carbon. It would still be kosher. Or you could damage no, no, it but what I'm saying is then then it's no longer considered, it wouldn't, it wouldn't get kedushas I understand, but if you damaged enough, it wouldn't be kosher even. 
Yeah, that's trifle. Well, that's, that's different. Yeah, that's a real but, thing. But what's a punishment if you were to sacrifice that bechor instead of putting it out to pasture? What's the criminal so, in I the beit din? Might be death, but I don't know. Whatever, I don't know. But no, no, you can't seriously. bring a, a car, but no, but that's if invalid. you take that bechor and you actually eat it. A real a bechor that is kadosh or bechor that's not the kadosh. The kadosh. Oh, that's that's. Uh, I think it's death penalty. Karet or is it oh, death penalty? Sure so you're saying the death serious. penalty of the human, therefore trumps the lip incision. It's not the death penalty. It's it's the, the it's the it's it's really really it's an economic factor here because. You basically gonna have to raise this animal in pasture and never you can't do any work for you, you can't eat it, you can't do anything. So it's really more economic than anything else. Why are you the discounting eternal guilt? I'm making a joke, but why are you discounting eternal guilt? I mean if you're a religious person you want to be observant. It's so worked for millennia. Yeah. I agree. Exactly. So, so if don't you discount redeem it, you have to keep it and not do anything with no, it. No no uh, if you don't uh, redeem uh, it. No, I'm saying a human is redeemed. Uh, 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 animal oh. bechor. In those days, There's you would no redeem. You would put the kedusha onto right. another animal, but then you'd have to bring it as a sacrifice. But the animal, so once you can redeem it, but only onto another animal. So it doesn't. You, you're stuck with some. Some animal gonna be being sacrificed. Right. Being sacrificed and and you have to redeem with the problem is if we don't have a beta mikdash, that's the problem. So therefore. There's nothing you can do with it. You can't bring it as a sacrifice. You can't so go to the your local Hindu temple. And but you can redeem a cow with a chicken, for example. So you have no, no, no. It has to be a similar. Really? Yeah. So the first the, is not the, first, the first male is getting ready to come out. The uterus is beginning to dilate. A little concern about the health of the fetus <coughs> during delivery, and you put a an invasive. Uh, monitor into its scalp, or yeah, I don't it know and, and take a drop of blood to run a test before it's born. Uh, have you not? So a human or animal? A human. A well, human. human. No, humans. We don't care. Damage doesn't affect humans because they're not brought as sacrifices yet. <laughs> but in an so animal, it's only in the animal. Yeah. So I'm saying the human, the damage in the human doesn't affect its being a firstborn. Meaning that it has to be viable. We're going to talk about that. If it's right. not a viable, if you do something like Shelley said, say you remove the stomach, which is you know, or born without, that could be. It's if it's not a viable um, fetus, so then there's no. It doesn't get a dimbachur. And we mentioned this last time. We'll say it again. Is that that's why we only do the pidyon aben after 30 days a child is born because we wait to make sure that's the halachic definition of viability. If it lives for 30 days. Assumption is viable. The first 30 days, we don't know that's, it's viable. That's what we called in surgery the will to live test. Okay. So if you, if I understand correctly, you have a bechor, which you delivered fine, no problem, opens the womb. You then, and let's say it's a cow, calf is born. You then have to take another calf and sacrifice it. So net gain is zero, economic gain. No, but what you're gaining is yeah, yeah. Well, you bring in the carbon. You get that's the gain. But, uh, but so the net economic yeah. gain is zero. Which my yes. maybe maybe Which you can yes. pick a maybe you can pick a not so good one the next well, time. Yeah, I'm yes, not sure you can that's fine. But the, again, the problem is today after the temple is destroyed. We're not worried. People like to bring uh, sacrifices. The question is today where you can't do so you're stuck so if you're just okay yeah, yeah useless, I sell the animal and finish but now it's useless you have to feed it till it dies right. so you're going to be for 15-20 years you're going to be giving this feed and having to raise it and there's no economic gain from it zero it's nothing yeah. you can do. so a useless that's the pain right. a useless right, exactly. so that's the issue today that becomes the issue today that we don't have a temple so why does Kedushat Bechor even remain when the Beit HaMikdash no longer remains because it that's it. It's born. It's the firstborn. The Torah says it's but old. But they were uniquely related. Those two concepts. No, the, that would seem to be the biggest loophole of all. No more temple. No more ramification of kedusha bechor is bringing it as a sacrament. <laughs> Ron, so it's a good point. Ron's saying, Oops, so then maybe this should be dependent. The, the ramification of having the holiness is has to be brought as a sacrifice. The fact that we don't have a method to bring it today doesn't negate fact that it's still born holy. Every day we pray that still born, it gets Kedush Bechor, it comes out, that's it. Once it's Petarechem, it now requires this Kedush Bechor. The, the ramification of that is either to bring it as a sacrifice. No, we Instead, today we, you have, don't have that solution, so therefore you're stuck. 
We anticipate that the Mashiach is going to come, and tomorrow there'll be a temple. Amen. 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 Just better keep the animals out. Some say, by the way, if Cook says there's be no more animal sacrifices in the third temple. Yossi, just to be clear on this economic benefit, you're saying the problem only applies now because the animal becomes not really useless, it becomes a useless eater. But even back then, if you could find a loophole to make that firstborn cow not a bechor, you would have an economic gain because yes. then you would not 100%. have. That's why the, yes. So I mean, so there's a lot of incentive to 100%. get around the bechor. Yes, yes, no question. A lot of economic incentive. If you're, if That's you're why a they're farmer, bringing all yes. these cases. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. Now right. it's getting clear about that. You can't get over that. Except they don't um, come to a conclusion. Okay, so now let's get back to uterine. You ready? You ready to learn about uterus? I missed that. The Very relevant to. It's always about it. Okay, you're up. No, I'm today. Yeah. Yeah, this is your. This is your. Uh, You're sleeping. Business. Okay, so now, so there's, so there's two cases there that I think were relevant that the common mentioned. So one of them, I'm sorry, I, I realized. Oh, it is on the bottom. I didn't look at the bottom. Uh, on the next rest. So if you towards, let's go to the bottom of the page, under the line. Um, so it says like this. So first of all, actually the last line. Let's start from right here. We did the other ones, but in this case, the last line in the right column above the line, it says, um, the Gemara cites further inquiries regarding the sanctification of the Bukhar. Again, we're talking about animals here. inquired, The walls, walls of the birth canal opened wide, so now we're on the left column, under the line, so that the fetus was born without touching them. What is the law? So the question becomes, really, what the Gemara seems to be inquiring here is, what, at which point, um, does it acquire what's making it acquire this holiness of Bukhar? Is it touching when it touches the walls of the birth canal or is it just the ear of the birth canal? Meaning it's really the immaculate delivery. No, he's saying so if let's say whatever <laughs> yes. happened, it opened wide enough where the and the fetus was very small, so it just fell out. And it came right, it just fell out. <laughs> so does it acquire the Kedusha Bukhar or not? That seems to show a lack of understanding of mechanism. Yeah. Why are you saying that? It's the head that pushes the walls open. No, no, but let's say this animal was sick. Very it small had animal before, and a very big Yesterday it gave birth to an elephant. Today it's uh, giving birth to a little <laughs> elephant. So the birth canal is stretched well, in the anyway. sense of... Exactly, so yeah, that's no, the question. So no, is no, it, no, if no, it no, just, no. if it's not touching the walls of the birth... By the way, animals, I learned this, the Gemara says this, I only learned it from the Gemara. I haven't spoken to a vet yet, I have a friend that the... Animals are not do not have the same anatomy as humans. There is no almost very little birth canal in an animal. It's basically the uterus and then just opens up. There's very little birth canal. Just to, as an aside, I don't know. I thought the most have to have a good imagination of the uterus, not the right, birth, so that's not the question. The, is not what, the birth well, canal. No, but they, the uterus is considered part of the birth of, the, of the, uter the, the birth canal is considered part of the uterus. The question is where it's a good question and this is also up for discussion, which is at which what's considered when we say pet rechem, uterus are referring to the cervix, also referring to the birth canal. Exactly what the definition of rechem is. But then you is. wouldn't have the question of a recycled uterus because the birth canal ah, is so that's my point. That's exactly the, the point. Ah, so that's the question here. So he's saying, what is, which part <laughs> makes it holy? So now the question seems to be, so now in the case, let's say, where you have a if, if we're saying here is all you need is the airspace and not the not the walls of the birth canal or the walls of the uterus in this case so then when you have a case of a donor of a transplanted uterus this woman the issue was if you don't need the, to touch the walls what it's saying here is we don't care about the uterus as long as it's going through the air of this new woman's birth canal the air belongs to her even if you want to say the donor uterus still let's say we go with the original woman but it's irrelevant this is my point, this is what I'm showing you why this is relevant to today's technology, is because the air of the uterus, the birth canal, the air in the birth canal clearly belongs or belongs to this new woman. That she didn't get the air donated, the space donated from the original woman. So yeah. according to this side, I'm saying we, we, we don't care. The uterine transplant would be irrelevant to the question of Bukhar. If it's just the air itself that's making it holy, not the touching the walls, it's irrelevant to the tissue around it, so then the question of uterine transplants would not be relevant to Bukhar because it's a simple answer. Is the air is still is her, is the new mother's air. Is the, the birth is the canal is not being transplanted. 
the True. birth canal but the is the uterus is when we that's why some yeah. cervix is interesting. Yeah, but the so cervix is part is of the cervix, so the cervix part, part of the birth canal. Uh, it would seem well, like how that. do they define the birth canal? That's a good question. I'm not sure yet. This well, rachel means uterus, so it doesn't mean birth canal. Yes, yeah, so but that's what's included. So like today, when we're saying there's a uterine transplant, do they they take it? They take. Also, the cervix, meaning is it only what? I'm sure, they think the cervix is Right, work. exactly. So, you see, the cervix is considered part of the rechem. So, that, that's a big part of the question, and it's not so clear. So, they to just me didn't understand it now. At this juncture. No, they did very well. Because the they, question would have, is they would have gone When the Torah the says pet the rechem, Torah says open it. They, they did go into specifics, five pages. No, they didn't go into the specifics between the uterus, the vagina. They didn't, they so didn't they go are. into those. No, so, you talk about amniotic sac. There's a lot of discussion here about different parts. And they did. Yes, but I, I don't understand those meaning it's not clear at the end exactly at which point. So they didn't um, know the de- they didn't no, know. No, I don't understand. Don't blame it on them. Oh, I, I like to blame them. It's okay. Okay. It's because the whole so. meaning the expression passing gas. <laughs> so again, so um, what I'm saying is, right. if you see the two Sorry sides of the Talmud page. here, Talmud says, do we say ma? What's the halacha in this case? Avir Do we say the passing through the ear space of the birth canal is what sanctifies the fetus? Uh, and that you have in this case, even though it was wide open, or Dilma Nigyas Rechemekacha. It's the aspect of that it's touching the sides of the, the walls, the tissue of the walls. And what I'm saying is, again, so this would be applicable maybe to the case of uterine transplant because the air, if it's just about the air, so the air is irrelevant. What what the first mother? The air is owned by the recipient. Um, it's new air, so to speak. It's not it's not the air that fresh air. Fresh air. Yeah. I mean, this is nonsense. Air? Um, what are we talking airspace. about? What airspace? There is no airspace. Okay. Well, run, run, run. Well, let's be realistic here. Don't think, let's uh, think, think about think it. Think of yeah. the head so coming through the basic now. question. Yeah. Totally enveloped and touching. Well, they would love to say no because they don't no. want to have to in sacrifice this case, the animal. They're not saying every case. They're saying in a specific case where, again, you have a preemie that's very small. A preemie could be very small. It's coming through the birth canal, but it's not touching the walls. That's possible. That it's possible. not touching the walls. Impossible in a human, maybe, not, but not in a veterinarian. Spot, something that's going to touch No, the no, wall. I'm saying if an animal had, let's say, it was attacked by another animal, and, and that's what it's talking about. It's, it says that. It, no, where, where its birth canal was stretched very wide. How? By the weasel. Uh, by, uh, by the by weasel, right. He doesn't know the case of the weasel. Yeah, it? no, I read it above. Okay, so, so meaning there's, is it, if possibly, hypothetically, this would happen, again, Gamara <laughs> talks about hypotheticals. That's exactly the point that I'm showing you, is that even though it might be not in your mind, it's totally relevant, but we see the halachic concept is relevant today with new technology. That's my point. What I see so is that they are looking for a beautiful loophole so they don't have to sacrifice right. their animal. Okay, that, that's beautiful. And I think they well, satisfied nothing wrong with that. Yeah, yes. that's great. So now the question is, but we see, again, that they're addressing halachic concept, which was irrelevant in their time. For 2,000 years, they didn't have the technology. 2,000 years later, we have technology where this con- these halachic concepts are very relevant. That's an unbelievable thing. That's beautiful, because otherwise we would not have a source to decide the question of uterine transplant. The, st- the concept of using s- air space in a birth canal is like a funny exactly. concept. Exa- that's no, exactly my point. I, I understand. To my point. No, they, that's exactly they the point. Let me that. run. That's exactly my point. They needed that for wait, financial wait. reasons. Second, let me explain. That's exactly my point. So they discussed something which was totally hypothetical. No, it was relevant you for just said, that it's day. It's impossible to happen. It was no, for that day. It was an economic issue, and they found so, the loophole. Exactly. So Beautiful. now we see that their loophole could be used today in deciding halacha. But it's... it's why, why is that an issue? It's not like a saying, modern concept of air, space, and a vagina. What? Okay, exactly. How is that a loophole? I mean, but where it was for them. It was for them. And I, I, I understand. The Correct. Talmud is speaking hypothetical cases. In many cases, as a matter of fact, the Bishonim, the early authorities, say on this Gemara, these cases never, one of these cases where it's, it says, uh, it's the Dreishul It says, it means that it's irrelevant. There are many f- f- times you find that in the Torah itself, such as the. The Talmud says it never happened, never will. But we're discussing hypotheticals because the Torah doesn't only discuss practical matters. I want to finish my point. Torah doesn't only discuss practical matters. The Torah also discusses hypotheticals because this is God's wisdom and it could be totally never happened, never will. Now, my point is so even though in those days this could have never happened, never will, as you just said, 
so clearly it wasn't for economic reasons because you just said it's impossible to happen, right? No, it you was said, for economic you. reasons. I'm quoting you. You said it's impossible. No. But my point is, so now they ruled on an impossible case. It never happened. But now these concepts are relevant in, with new technology. That's my point. So Which I, to me, is an amazing thing. I'm not sure yeah. with the, how they decided about whether air was good enough. They didn't decide. It's teiku. Teiku means they don't know. So they decided that they're not sure. So we don't know. How can we apply it if there's no answer? Ah, so that's a good question. We'll get to the how halacha works when there's no good answer. Yes. Two things. First, the baby that was just born was the first American baby born from a uterine transplant. The first baby born from a uterine transplant was actually in Brazil last December. That's right. A little aside. Secondly, this issue Ron raises is a critical one. The secular bioethics is built almost entirely on the notion that antecedent ethical systems simply are not up to the job of dealing with contemporary technological issues. Okay. This is a refutation of that. Why? Because it's saying, based upon our system, Jewish system, of casuistic approach. Now, let's take a case. Can we find any law that applies to it and deal with it in modern technology, like the time runner respirator? It completely refutes the whole underpinnings of secular bioethics, which is that ancient systems, as it were, of medical ethics aren't up to the task after 3,000 years since 1970s. They are not up to the task of dealing with uh, complex technological issues. So it's not a trivial issue. I'm not issue. sure it's a re refutation, but I mean, the point is that they were using a loophole that was relevant in their day yes, to again, save so now their animals. If you believe 100%. Okay. Now, if you, and I agree with you. So now, let's say you want, let's say you're correct. I mean, I don't, I don't want to say I don't agree. I don't think they're, they're not going to vi we believe, at least, maybe you don't, but say we believe that we view <laughs> the sages of the Talmud, Good. you're right, they're going to come, when it comes to economic reasons, they're going to try to come up with a solution, but the solution has to be within the confines of Allah. This is not Reform Judaism. Meaning we don't just wake up in the morning and say, okay, we today we want to eat pork, so I, therefore we're going to say it's because of chicken else. One second. So there means within halachic definitions, they're saying that this is a solution. Now, was it relevant those days? Maybe yes, maybe not. Maybe it could happen. So now we're, we're once they're establishing these principles, as Shelley's saying, we can now use this and apply it to current cases. The principles don't change. The, just because they established these principles because they were looking for an economic loophole doesn't change. It's like saying the founding fathers allowed guns for, for reason X. The question is now, could we apply it to reason, reason uh, Y? Maybe yes, maybe not. That's up for debate, but that's the same point. So in other words, there's nothing wrong. If a law was established, they established certain principles, yes. They were looking for economic loopholes. But we see the principles are true. Meaning, in the sense of whatever they, the assumption is, they hal were halachically correct. Even if the cause might have been economic reasons, that doesn't negate the fact that we can now use these halachic principles to apply it to other cases. I, I why is that a contradiction? It's not a contradiction. What that is that what that Gemara is legitimating is the notion of considering airspace. That's all. It's not a principle. It's a, yes. What it's establishing is you is can we don't say, and, it, and it says we don't know. Take it, we right, know. but it, the, no one is saying. No, the, considering airspace is a totally ridiculous idea. You can't do it. Right. So it is exactly. legitimating the concept. You can consider this ridiculous notion of airspace. Okay. That's all it's saying. So we have, so we have obviously, you, you have a precedent, and then you say, well, is this precedent really close enough to, to what we're right. doing? Is it, or is so the we, principle we all relevant? use yeah. precedents. I, I think it's an interesting concept of the airspace, though, because, you know, in, in law... Uh, in the past, the airspace of your over your property went as a tube all the way up to the heavens, right. and and then they had to change that because an airplane flying over would be a trespass. Yeah, and, now, drones. and now the question is, well, maybe 500 feet for a drone is yeah. is the limit right. of your airspace, right. and wires going over your property. Right, over there, so 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 the whole idea of, of defining airspace as <coughs> belonging to uh, a certain piece Domain. of property is, is a pretty significant concept in, in law and I had never really thought of the airspace of the of the vagina. Do you think there's any case law on that in American or British jurisprudence? <laughs> <laughs> so it, it, if you take a, a uterus from a 
uh, a Gentile woman in terms oh, so maybe that's a whole different question. We're not okay. going there today, but that's part of what we're going to see in a second. Well, that, that's a key women? question. Did you say really, <laughs> so one second. So that's a. So All that's a. Um, Ed, this is, no, this is a very good question because really the, the, the whole question of uterine transplants in secular law in a certain sense and also in halacha is going to ride on whether does it how do we view it does this now become it now belongs to the to this woman to the to the recipient or do we does it still have some connection to the donor that's really what we're discussing here meaning the fact that the recip that the, the donor gave birth before does that affect now after it's in it's in the it's now transplanted which is really by any organ it's a you can have a question it's already been opened yeah exactly so meaning so the, the question really hinges upon leaving this part out of the airspace there's a the real question before you get to the, the, this is just a way to circumvent the question you're saying we don't care about the uterus we care about the airspace that's circumventing the whole question but I'm saying initially well, let me finish my point initially the the real question hinges upon anytime you have a, a donor transplantation, uh, an organ transplantation, any organ or tissue in this case, not an organ. So the question is, does it have any connection to its original donor or now once it's it inserted into the person? It is an organ. The uterus he is said, an organ. Well, he's, he's saying it's tissue. No, the, I don't know the circumcision is tissue. I'm not talking about circumcision. But, <laughs> but the uterus <laughs> is an organ. Oh, it is an organ. Okay. Yeah. So I thought you said tissue before. So the, the point being is how do we view does this organ that is now in this new don in this new recipient do we view it as now it's completely his and there's no relation to its prior donor or not so this is really the question here possession so again, is nine tenths of the law okay that's a good point or or not that's really what it hinges on i want to show you this camera will also answer seemingly answer that question in a second i don't know if this is relevant but a uterine transplant is intended to be a rental it's yes. not like a kidney or a heart is uh, it they intend to take it out after you had the last baby you're going to have with yeah because you're giving right because so you're giving the drugs affects the idea yes, of judge, we'll get there in a second so it's a very good point shelly's pointing out that you the way the uterus works today the way the transplant so far that what they were doing is they they take it out after birth because they have to continue to give you um the immunosuppressant drugs which in order that your body shouldn't reject the foreign organ, just like any transplantation. So they, that's dangerous. First of all, it's dangerous even for the fetus and for the woman, clearly. So they want to stop that. So once she has the baby, they then remove the, the uterus in order that, that they shouldn't, um, shouldn't have to continue giving her the immunosuppressant drug. So basically, that, that is relevant to this question. <laughs> so it is relevant to this question because, again, since it's not permanent, so maybe even in a regular organ, head, so even if a regular organ, you might say now totally belongs to to the recipient. But in this case, it's just a temporary thing for uh, nine months. It's not so temporary, whatever ten months, whatever it is. So the question again becomes: How do we view? Do we view this um, recipient? As that this is her yeah. part of her body now. It's like and a now. pair of shoes, you know. You so, use it and throw them away. So where you see this in the Gemara? So now the next. So I'm going to show you another case here, another hypothetical. Losing you, losing. This section is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Do you want me to keep poking him? Yeah, please. Um, <laughs> so then discusses. Getting let me just see. Um, I don't know which case he's talking about. I am. <laughs> That's the problem. <laughs> okay, so let me, I'm just going to read. So there's, by the way, there's very little written on this, obviously, because it's very new technology. Um, so there, I, there's no real response written on this. There was a response in 1907 um, about there was transplantation of ovaries. And they didn't understand the anatomy exactly. So some of them think it's the uterus, and and so there is discussion then um, from 1907. But so we do. So this is an article, article by Eddie Rackman, your buddy, um, in, in summer of 2003, in uterine transplantation in the case of mistaken question, which is that case from 1907. Yeah, this 1907, the year you're born. So it says like this. Um, it says. Uh, I was going to read you. He quotes, he says, first of all, he says what we're saying here. The, the Gemara and Kulin cites a hypothetical case where the birth canal is so wide that the fetus can exit without direct physical contact with the uterine or vaginal walls. Is the airspace of the uterus sufficient to generate the status of Bahar? Gemara asks, or is direct physical contact with the uterine wall required? So he brings, so he says, so now the Gemara says, we're not sure. 
Ramar doesn't answer the question. So he says Rambam maintains that the fetus in this case would be a questionable bukhar. Means it's a suffix. Now this is what's good to know is normally when you have a, a doubt, suffix means a doubt. So if you have a doubt in halacha, so if it's a biblical law, we always go and str- stringent about it. But w- this, we, as we mentioned last week, a bukhar is relevant, is a, is a economic issue. Forget about the animal. We're talking about in a regular, let's say, human bukhar. So it's just, it's a, it's a business transaction between the father and the kohen. Technically, the kohen, the Torah says, kohen, the child belongs to the kohen. The father has to go and buy it off the kohen, as we saw the video last week of the ceremony. That's all it is. It's an economic transaction. So the halach is, when it comes to money, in order, if you want your money, in this case, the kohen wants his money, he has to prove, if there's no, if it's a doubt whether I owe you money, in, in halacha, the halacha is that uh, you don't give the money. If I want to take money out of you, you have to prove that I owe you the money. If there's a doubt to whether you owe me the money, you're off the hook. So therefore, he says in this case, um, since it's a doubt, so you would not do pig in a bed. Um, in the case of uterine transplant. Um, now, the other case, the other Gemara, as we mentioned last week, he says, in the Talmudic hypothetical, the uteri of two animals are adjacent to each other, and the fetus moves from one uterus to the second before being born. Which, as he said, is also totally ludicrous. But again, they foresaw 2,000 years ago that this would be relevant in the year 2000. Okay, that's a good question. The Gemara wants to know whose Bechor the fetus is. Um, okay, so this so the question is, how, how would you apply that? That also seems to be very relevant to the case of... Uh, of a uterine transplant, and I'm not sure how to apply it. The last thing is... Um, These all sound like great like wives' tales that they, the farmers or the, the cattle ranchers would talk about at night over the fire and say, Oh my exactly. God, I, I exactly. saw this Exactly, but again, that doesn't negate the Psach Halacha that was said about those crazy hypotheticals. They, yeah. they just waxed poetic and they just yeah, were able to save all their animals. One second this again, great, we weren't. First of all, you're wrong because teiku means we, they weren't able to say the ram. They were. Sure. If it's no. teiku, then it's suffect, uh, then okay, it's not the a problem. Says that. First, the ram says that about. But we're talking about we're applying it to humans, so there's no economic factor. The ram is saying it about humans. I cases. understand. That's a so major now, jump. But yes. Furthermore, um, okay. So that was that. That's. I'm just trying to show you one other case here. Was it there, after they so drank now, the skier? So interestingly enough, Steinberg, yes. Is there a question? Who was the mother? I mean, is yes. the case kind of like surrogacy? This whole article about it is mostly. Oh. is just one paragraph. The whole question of uterine transplant, again, becomes who's the mother. Um, that's the maternal identity. Is it the last mother? And that depends on the question we just mentioned, which is once you transplant the organ, do you automatically assume it now is part and parcel of this woman's body? Which is the way Steinberg, when so Steinberg has his new five-volume book, in, he has a section of Pidina Ben, and he has one line on uterine transplants, and he doesn't he doesn't quote Eddie Rackman. I guess he didn't see this article, um, or it wasn't up to par for him. But, uh, <laughs> um, is there any statement that getting a uterine transplant is too dangerous and no one should do that anyway? Yeah, he discusses it very uh, at length here because the question is similar to what we normally. We allow danger for the sake of healing. Right. The question is, is having a child considered healing? So emotionally, psychologically, he discusses that a lot. That's an excellent question, just like we discussed by cosmetic surgery. So we don't allow you to do surgery just for cosmetic right. reasons. Um, except, though they say there, that if there's a great psychological need, the woman or whatever, she can't, get a date. Or she can't get a date or something like that, then we allow it. So, uh, so here, the question is a similar question, meaning is, is the ability to have children, meaning, first of all, there's other options. You can do try IVF. Right, you don't so have many. to endanger your life and have a uterine transplant because they give you these immunosuppressant well, drugs. We so discuss that at length. Surrogacy, IVF. Surrogacy, surrogacy, yeah, yeah, I'm saying the surrogacy. There are other options today well, to override the emotion. Okay, yeah, but that's, that's not as dangerous. Right? It's not so dangerous to fall asleep. In the Next secular bioethical yeah. world, it's also considered, and many people make the argument, it's too dangerous yeah. procedure. It sounds ridiculous. It's not. Let's so ask. We'll okay. Totally. We'll ask. If you choose surrogacy, you have a Gentile woman carrying your baby, and the baby is a firstborn male that she delivers. It needs yeah, to be converted. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not Jewish. There's no. If the if the father's not Jewish, the he's still picking up that. No, I'm just saying if the father, the no, no, it's not a father. 
that case is not considered. No, the, there's, a father, there's a father and there's a mother. They're both no, no, Jewish. The genetic, I'm talking about genetic. There's genetic. a genetic father and a genetic mother right. that are both Jewish, oh. and the embryo is transferred oh, okay. to so, a surrogate who is not Jewish. So, no, so the point is. In that case, with them, with so a, like a with a mother, meaning not the not mother, the <laughs> surrogate, her womb is opening. I, I, I don't. It's a good question. I, I we can't talked imagine. about this before. No, about opinion of them. He's for opinion. sure, they're not even Sir, Jewish. No, it's not for sure. It's a question: Is if the, the genetic mother is Jewish, Jewish the genetic mother is Jewish, and the surrogate is not, so it's questionable to take her. And and therefore, we're not today. We consider. Wait, you're saying for sure they are Jewish? You're just no, saying, no, it's I'm saying it's a suffix for it's the suffix. No, I'm saying it's a suffix if they're Jewish or not. In that case. Sorry, I thought there was not even a question. No, no. no. Some say it's the, it's the woman who gives birth. Some say it's the woman who... who, uh, who I heard who that they all need to be converted. You, Is you that not true? Yes, we suffix, we convert them all. Okay, so, so it's the, the, the practical, practical is... Well, we're machmer that they have, they're both considered their mothers. We go both ways. We have our cake needed. So we do a, a, a gerus misafek, and we're also machmer that they're both considered mothers halakhically. So both the surrogate and the... Now, by the way, this, and this is an interesting thing, because when it, it, it was hypothetical, again, told uterine transplants, some people discuss, is it the parturition that decides mother maternity, or is it the giving birth, what's the parturition is pregnancy, right? So pre is the it the pregnancy? conception. No, or the giving birth. When you're dealing, so the, the, till now it wasn't possible to split that up. Now with uterine transplants, it might that question might actually be relevant. It's no longer hypothetical. You know, it's because uh, technically speaking, it's someone else's womb. Is that called that that other woman was pregnant? But I, but this woman's giving birth. So who's the who's the mother? The woman. Let's say we assume the uterus is the donor's uterus in this new woman. So now the patrician technically is happening by one woman, and the giving birth is happening by another woman. So which decides maternity? The birth or the patrician? Pat now it's no longer hypo hypothetical. is actually the pregnancy. act of birthing. Giving birth. Okay, so, uh, so what's the fancy word for pregnancy? Pregnancy. 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 Yeah. Whatever, okay, whatever, whatever just, word you want to use. Just for clarity. Yes, okay. So if I'm a rabbi... I don't think you're right, by the way. If I'm a rabbi right now, the right. next hypothetical I do is this. <laughs> you have two women... I used to be a doctor. ...who don't have uteruses. One of them wants to be the surrogate. So the surrogate gets a uterine transplant. Oh, God. <laughs> and then the first woman, she donates the egg and her husband donates the sperm. It's put into the uterus, which has been transplanted from a third party into the surrogate. Well, let's even complicate it more is to say that, that so some other guy the has embryo. to donate the sperm yeah, or the the mom's or the There's a more common issue. Yes, that's, by the way, there is another question. If you say, by the way, in that response written in 1907, I just want to point out, they discussed there is having relations with this woman um, considered uh, infidelity. So if she was married, the donor of the ovary, and now this man is having relations with this woman who donated over who was married. Is that considered infidelity? Is that considered ish? So it is relevant because so they discussed there depending on what which part. And that's where the anatomy is very important. Meaning if the cervix was done, meaning because if what they say is if the external genitalia was also transplanted, so that could be a problem. If it was only internal, and when you're having relations, you're not, you're not going near the, inter, let's say it was just the ovary, you're not touching the ovary, so then it's irrelevant. But if it was the, the, the complete external genitalia was transplanted, which today you have, it seems like it's not so uncommon. <laughs> so then you have a question of a shatish. Um, it could be a problem of mamzer, etc. So the, this was 1907. This is a more common problem. If a woman has the lining of her cervix removed, because of uh, HPV, That's the then she gets pregnant and has a baby. So the baby, in theory, the lining of the uterus is uh, the cervix is gone. Yes. Is, is the baby still a buffer? That's the next, the end of the comment. That's the question. Discusses that exact case. Unbelievable! You, really? foresaw I'm that not you sure. can ask this question in 2019. It says, uh, it says uh, on the bottom, if the wall of the birth canal were torn off, torn off. Look at the bottom of the left column. It says uh, the bottom paragraph it says, rather we inquire as follows: Necrovitale. Uh, sorry, um, before that, uh, the walls of the birth canal were torn off. Discusses that case. So, is that a problem or not? Well, this is just the line. Oh, it gets to it, it, everything's in it. I'm you, it's all here, baby.
everything. Okay, so now, so I just want to, so Steinberg writes here in his, uh, in just a one-liner he throws in here, and maybe, so if I could find it, um, about uterine transplants in the law wow. of the Wow, this, this is so clever to get around the law. It's brilliant. brilliant. Yeah. yeah, that part. Rabbis I, were brilliant. That's what we pay the rabbis. One thing, one thing. Ron is saying the rabbis were brilliant. Yeah. We all heard it. It's on tape. Forevermore, it's good. Very good at getting around the law. Okay, so what is it? Or R. R. Okay. Continue uh, to be. Okay, I got a That's why they were able to be judges at the time. The rabbis. I guess so. <laughs> Um, wow. Trying to find this timer. Right? People pay them for this. That's yeah. Cool. Yeah, they did. And do. It's a living. Okay, so Steinberg sounds like this. Um, so I can't find it. Here somewhere. There's a lot of pages. Um, Rabbi Steinberg. Can you say uterine transplant in Hebrew? Is there an index? Yeah, easy. I saw it. It's here. Uh, you talk about um, if you have a child that's the gender is not clear. Do you do pity in advance? Oh, the Eucharist. Eucharist. The Eucharist is say the uterus was the Eucharist. Okay. So like this. So Stanley says after a transplanted uterus, he says isha shetaram yilada prior to birth. They, they transplanted into her a uterus of another woman. She cried that already gave birth. through this uterus. is exempt from pidyon There's no pidyon On the bottom he says why. So he says he says interesting. He says um, he said like this. Hatam. The reason is safek It's a doubt based. I'm assuming he doesn't say where his doubt is from. Is the pidyon ben dependent on the uterus or not? Can rechem zek for nifta be all day Since this this uterus was already peta rechem, it was opened already prior in the donor. That's side number one. It's a safek. Oh, she pidyon bechor talabisha, or is it dependent on the woman? It's not dependent on the uterus. For this woman, it's a first birth. We don't care that the uterus was recycled. That's not our problem. Okay, that's what he says. We can isha tarmi lada. This woman is it the not? first birth, but what if she's had a miscarriage? Ah, that's something else. We got that's yeah. yeah. We're talking about another case. Miscarriage is a whole different story. We'll talk about that if we have time. Even if you're going to say now, it goes on further. He says even if you're going to say that it is dependent on the uterus, it's possible to, to say that after you transplant the uterus, it now becomes part of the woman. It now is her uterus. So it's irrelevant. It becomes batel, as languages, in this recipient woman. So even if you're going to say it is dependent on the uterus, but now it is a, a new uterus in this woman. The fact that it happened to be another woman uh, a year ago or a week ago is irrelevant to this. Um, to this question, he says. Um, he goes so on where to is say, this effect? It sounds like he's trying to prove no, that it well, is. No, he's saying even if you're going to say he's saying there's two sides to this effect, and even if you can say this side, so it's, it's questionable. One second, he says. It's possible to say this. Therefore, since it's a doubt as to how we view it, where is this effect? Suffolk is maybe we. Everything is dependent on this uterus, and we still look at it as the donor's uterus. That was his first right, point. Right. Okay. So he says, mm-hmm. Therefore, any as we said, since it's a monetary transaction, it's money. You got the coin. Got to prove that it belongs to him. That he gets that he's entitled to the money. Can't prove it, so he can't prove this. And so he quotes what he's quoting here is two articles from 1907. His source for this which they, clearly they weren't talking about uterine transplants, but I think one of them made a mistake in, 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 that, in 1907 and thought, again, the anatomy. They were talking about the uterus. So they mentioned it there mistakenly, but that mistake, again, will help us to see the halacha concept. The fact that it was a mistake, and they made a mistake in the anatomy at that time, but th- someone understood that case in 1907 as a uterine transplant, which didn't exist. And they ruled on that case, and they said these things. So he's isn't using that, that as a source. faulty judgment, isn't that no, no. considered Again, not good? You no, know, it's meaning, let's say someone uh, came to the rabbi and told me uh, this chicken, uh, his heart has a hole in it. And I ruled on that 
there's no lochem to check in the house. The whole in the heart is a kosher. Now, the fact that the person told me the wrong facts doesn't change the halach. I ruled in the case with chicken had a heart. They got the facts wrong, or I got the facts wrong. It doesn't... The halacha, the concepts, the halacha principles are, are the same. The fact that I didn't know the facts and I ruled... Uh, meaning, not that I ruled based on wrong facts. I ruled for those facts, for fact A. You told me the wrong question. The law is not cor- correct. The law doesn't fact. Exactly. Meaning, it's like, it's like uh, saying someone came to the judge and they lied and they told him... This guy killed someone. Now he ruled in this case. The guy's guilty. He gets the death penalty. Happens to be the guy didn't kill him. It doesn't change. So the, the law will stand in the sense of if these are the facts, the law is applicable. So they had the facts wrong, but it doesn't change the halachic ruling in that set of facts. Really? I got major problems with this. Yeah, that's the why famous you're not a children's Thank book, God. Are You My Mother is Not Going to Become Are You My Uterus. Okay, so that's as far as uterine transplants. Okay. So the answer, answer is, answer no is answer. We, we don't know, don't know. and therefore uh, don't do pity heaven. The coin can prove Allah. Right, the coin doesn't get his money. Right. Exactly. Uh, you've probably already covered this sometime, but <coughs> does the C-section where the uterus yes, never opens? Yes, so you're exempt. The C-section case, there are many cases, as we discussed last week, that you're, you're exempt from pity on That's why it's so rare, as we discussed, it's very rare. Um, that it happens is because C-section, and as you mentioned, no, is, is a prior. As a pr- since the Torah says it has to open the womb, I C-section is considered open. So sort of DNC where you dilate it. Ah, so he discusses that. For example, um, many others yeah, mentioned some other cases. So he mentioned a miscarriage. So by the way, the law of the miscarriage. Listen, listen. The law of the miscarriage is that if, depending on the stage of the miscarriage, so there's no exact cutoff. And it sounds gory, meaning the doctor has to ascertain whether there's a form. The halach is if the miscarried fetus had formed to it already, which again, there's not an exact date to that. Usually, everyone agrees prior to 40 days, it's nothing. That wouldn't exempt you from a subsequent um, birth, pidina ben. But let's say the, 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 uh, let's say it was 50 days. Right, 54, so depending on if there was bones and whatever, you know, it's what has to be ascertained, but the doctor decides. And the doctor is the one supposed to check, and based on that, can decide whether... Well, that's because at 40 days it will have form, and if it doesn't have form, then it's not a normal fetus. No, the form means it has to have, like, a bone, I think. That's like all bone present at 40 days. Not. It 40 is. days is just start, like, it's no, just it's the beginning. Present. It's there. Well, it, 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 not according to the rabbis. Professor um, Steinberg says but when... But if it isn't there, then it's clearly not... Mm-hmm. Today we can anyway. ascertain with right. a sonogram. Like you don't need to even... You could ascertain prior to birth with a sonogram. So, for example, another example, I mean, abortions also would be the same thing. At which stage was it aborted? That would decide, was it been I had a case, um, if I mentioned last week, a, a Russian adult um, who had come from Russia. His father wasn't Jewish, actually. He was an exchange student in Princeton, and I was studying with him when I was in rabbinical school, and he... Um, we met him in the restaurant in Israel. He was the security guard, remember? Remember no. that story? <laughs> Great story. Anyway, so so the this guy was an exchange student. He was 24 years old, Russian, and he decided he wants to put on stop wearing tefillin, so we got him tefillin. Long story short, the, he I, he got an old pair of tefillin, so I said, we need to check it, because, you know, the chance is not kosher. So, of course, checked it, and it wasn't kosher. It's tefillin. So he wanted to study the part of the tefillin that had a, that wasn't, that was, that had a problem with it. So if it happens to be two, there's four chapters, four paragraphs in the tefillin. Two of them are about Pedina Ben, whatever reason. Two of them mention Pedina Ben. So it happens to be we started, so we started reading the part that was problem, and it's Pedina Ben. He said, well, I never heard of this. Ahmed Bukhar, he's the only child. His father wasn't Jewish, but that doesn't negate. So now the obligations on him as an adult to redeem himself. So the problem is he was Russian, and his mother's in Russia. In Russia, they have many abortions. And they only, most people only have one child. So he had to call his mother and find out if she had an abortion. It was a little awkward. Um, <laughs> uh, um, but at the end of the day, so we, we did the Pedina Ben in Princeton. They hung up a sign, free food. We had like 80 students showed up. And uh, it was a big party. And he spoke. It was um, beautiful. He spoke at this Pedina Ben. He said he was comparing. He had a circumcision in the underground in Russia when it was illegal. He said he was an adult. He decided at 18 he wants to be circumcised. No anesthesia. He described the scene. He's talking at this Pedina Ben. Everyone was crying. It wasn't a dry eye in the room. So they laid me down. They took me into a cellar. 
laid me down in the basement, no anesthesia. They gave me a little vodka, smeared a little vodka on, uh, on the schmeckle. And he said it was, and they, uh, they cleaned up the blood, and we had, uh, we had some more vodka, and then that was it. He says, look at this, compared, he's contrasting the pity and event to his, to his, circumcision. Hopefully he was having more fun. Hopefully he was having more fun. Long story short, I, I lost touch with the guy, and um, it's like 10, 15 years later, I'm on a trip in Israel with Shelly and Linda, and it was, it was the Wexner group. You, mm-hmm. you were there too, but you didn't come to that night. It's a restaurant. You were there on that Wexner trip with Shelly? Uh, Same time, yeah, yeah. With, with Audrey and Bradley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So f- this is uh, 20 years later, I don't know, 15 years later, not 20. F- around 15 years after I lost touch with him, we were going, it was right after there was a bunch of bombings in Israel, I don't know what year it is. So they had security guards at all the restaurants. And walking up to, st- um, I come to this restaurant with Shelly and Linda, I don't remember who else was there. And the security guard all of a sudden sees me and he comes running down steps, like almost tackles me. And uh, it was this guy, he made Aliyah, you know, I was in Israel. Was he a Princeton graduate? Yeah. Um, yeah, he's sociology, don't push it. Oh, okay. <laughs> Those are kind of so he's a security guard in Israel. If you have a degree in sociology in Israel, you become a security guard. So, it was a little uh, embarrassing when you asked him to show me a schmeckle. <laughs> Very embarrassing. <laughs> anyway, the guy is currently living in Israel. He's religious. Amazing story. Um, so that's my opinion of Ben's story. And so let me just finish off. So there's other, a few other cases of uh, one is, first of all, ectopic pregnancy. Let's say a woman becomes pregnant topically, so they all, the sponsor discuss that, and they say that there's no issue. Um, because again, that's not, first of all, a few reasons. One is it has to be a viable, the first birth, the first baby had to be viable. Ectopic automatically means it's not viable. It's never going to live. Number two is it's not in the rechem. The, the pregnancy is taking place in the fallopian tubes, and therefore it's not petarechem. Well, by m- definition, miscarriage is not viable. So why, why wouldn't that? Uh, it might no, no, but I'm saying is sorry. No, it was petar. In this case, I'm saying front no miscarriage. Initially, it could have been a viable child. It ended up miscarrying, but so it opened the womb. At the stage where it was already formed, that's pe- that means Even the child. Op- we know clearly right. it's not viable. Yes, but right, the viability itself is not. But here, from the beginning, this was never going to be a viable birth. Once it's taken place in the fallopian tubes, it's like topic. It's it can never be a viable birth. And that's so it has to be viable at some point. It had to have been a viable pregnancy at some point. Yeah, right. And the other thing is that, like as we're saying, it's not even near. The, it's nothing to do with the womb. Torah says if something else opened the womb, there was a prior opening to the womb. In this case, ectopic, they do surgery, they take it out. The fallopian tube. So they, that's discussed. So the last question is going to get back. Yeah. Suppose you have an, a test like a hysterosalpingogram, or just a hysterogram where they inject some dye into your womb opening. That uh, doesn't open it enough. Yeah, that's that. That's and there's yeah. air around it. <laughs> it's not a fetus. Oh, air. The doctor mechanically yeah. dilates the cervix? Yeah, that's nothing. That's that's so we that it's open by, uh, by again, birth. by a birth. Oh, okay. Right, it's be open by birth. And so what about in, in utero surgery? So, uh, again, so why would that, so why would well, that be a problem? Well, the child hasn't Right, so that's fine. Delivered, there is an issue there, which is, again, um, if the child, they discussed that, if the child is a tray for to begin with, meaning it's originally not going to be viable, we know that initially, so that could, could be a pre- that could be uh, exempted. Why? Um, if you fix it. Ah, so that's a good question, which is good, gets to the question I want to address quickly. Two other questions I need to address before we run out of time, which is, one is incubators. What happens if you have a preemie? And technically, notes again, we wait the 30 days for the beginning of Ben because the assumption is we have to do it on a viable child that we know is going to live. And, the, and halachically, today might be different, but halachically, we wait until after 30 days, the child is, is not mm-hmm. considered viable. So the question becomes, what happens if you have a preemie who's born and it's only be viable, it stays in the incubator? So do you do the pidyon ben 30 days from birth or 30 days after it gets out of the incubator? How do we view the incubator? Is, as we call it, is it a womb with a view? Or is it a... Uh, or is it um, is the incubator an extension of the mother? This is an interesting question, which again, modern technology you have. Which, or do we say no? Thirty days after birth, irrelevant. So this is a question Somebody that's discussed at length. Meaning, because again, uh, this is a, another mm. typical case where the technology totally changed. Um, in a sense, not changed Allah, because Allah never changes, but it moved the goalposts. 
Uh, meaning, because in times of the Talmud, if you had, let's say, a seven-month baby, it was surely was not viable. Now we keep on moving the goalposts, uh, ma- current medical technology, where you, I think, uh, I don't know where they're holding, look it up. It's like Probably five and a half months. Weeks, yeah, I'm saying it's like crazy. Like now that. you can have a viable baby, technically, after 23 weeks. So the Talmud, in those days, obviously, that could never have happened. So the assumption is, if a child's born at that <coughs> stage, no opinion of bad, nothing's done. Now that we have incubators and we have all this technology, so the question becomes... Um, have, did the halacha change? And the, and the answer is yes, the halacha changed because, again, it's not the halacha changing, it's the technology is moving the goalposts, so the, the, the definition of viability is what's changing. So with new medical technology, so now... Reinterpretation. Uh, no, it's not reinterpretation. Interpretation stays the same. It's about... The only opinion, opinion of man can only be done on a viable child. So the Gemara says seven months is never viable in those days. Now that we move the goalposts to much further back, and even a seven-month, even a six-month, five-monther, so therefore the, the halach is... It's, there's a new definition of viability. The, no, it's, the halacha says it has to be viable. So now if we move the goalposts and now it's viable much earlier, so then the halacha will change. But again, it's not the, the halacha principle is the same. It's about viability. The question is what's considered viability. So that keeps on changing. Science keeps on changing that um, so as we go along. Is. So now what about, so when do we do the Pinyin Ben? For 30 days after Ken comes out of the incubator or not? So he discusses it here. Oh, Suffolk. No. Well, it's always the Always three opinions. But, uh, for some reason, I can't. I thought I marked it here. Oh, here we go. Um, yes, it says like this. One question leads to another question, leads to another question. Mm-hmm. Incubator. Male firstborn is still in the incubator on the 31st day, must be redeemed. Okay, so the assumption is he's saying if it's in the incubator, does you still do the Pidina Ben? The fact that it's in the incubator itself doesn't mean it's not viable. Chalkad Yaakov rules, again, this is, uh, I don't know when this is written, rules that a baby born after eight months of gestation who is still in an incubator on the 31st day should have his Pidina Ben on time. However, Rav Orbach wrote to me, this is a fact, um, that a premature baby who needs an incubator is as yet a possible nephil, possible, <coughs> what we call a non-viable birth. And in particular, if the doctors are not yet sure if he will live. So if you have a child who needs the incubator and the doctor is saying, we don't know if he's even going to live, even with the incubator, which happens many times in preemies. So he wrote that it would seem to him that it would be better to wait to redeem him later with the blessings, meaning to wait till after he comes out of the incubator. If he, will, if he was full term, he should be redeemed immediately on the 31st day. However, if he's born after eight months of gestation, and certainly after seven months of gestation, again, this was written, this itself was written 15 years ago, 20 years ago. Um, so he says it would be better to redeem him until 30 days after he was taken out of the incubator. It would be as if he had only completed his gestational period then. So he, what he's saying is it really depends. If the doctor is saying this kid is totally viable, even though he's in incubator, so we do it on the 31st day like any other birth. But if the doctors are saying that this child we're not sure is going to make it, so then we view the incubator as a, con- a continuation of the gestational process, and we wait 30 days after it comes out of the incubator. That's what Rabbi Orbach seems to be saying. You know, in that regard, it's a little surprising that... Uh, either legislation or bioethical propositions have it come forth where say a woman wants to have an abortion at 25, 26 weeks which is uh, why not uh, extract that baby and put it in an incubator and let that baby actually live I mean I'm surprised Isn't that Alabamian now? Like well, you you know, I think there's, uh, that's not ordinarily done but I'm not sure why it's not an option so you got to speak to that's a good question uh, not for now it's a good, right, it's a good right. question I mean you got to wait to avoid the whole abortion it was a very interesting novel called Solomon's Knife yes. maybe 20 years ago where this was proposed a guy invented a machine that you could extract the woman thought she was having an abortion but in fact they were taking the baby and putting him in it someone actually did it? No, it's a novel, oh, super fiction. incubator. The baby grows up like, uh, and uh, is a kid and becomes gets leukemia, and now they want to go back to the original parents to get transplant. But that didn't exist, so and now that does okay, exist. So we're out of time, so I want to finish off. It's a, it's a great question. I'd love to read that now. Movie? Solomon's Knife. Okay. okay. Let's see the movie. Um, the, the, so you text it to me because I'm not going to remember. So the, the bottom line is the, the last question I just want to address because um, it's interesting question is the question of forceps. So based on this Gemara, 
um, in Kulin, which was about animals. So some want to see that you see the Gemara says there's a problem of chatzitz. If you have something, interposition is between the fetus and the walls of the womb, so to speak. Is that a problem? Yes. First of all, so it seemed like that from the Talmud. Yes. So there are two poskim in the again, and this is written in the early 1900s, late 1800s, and the Chalkas Yov, who write, who write that you don't do a pinyin aben, or you don't make a bracha, at least. Suffolk, you do it without a blessing because of this issue. But Ramosh Feinstein vehemently disagrees, and he says a fascinating thing. He says, this Gemara is only relevant to animals. Animals, you can't compare animals and humans. He says, here, by animals, it's a question of Kedushas Bechar. It's a question of holiness. At which point of the birth do they become holy? It's the womb and this. He says, when it comes to humans, it's, there's nothing to do with this. this is, there's no Kedusha. He says, it's a monetary transaction. When it comes to humans, is the Kohen owns it. After 31 days, the Torah says, you have to pay the Kohen. So it's irrelevant how it was born. Did it touch the side of the womb? Does not. It's, a, it's owned by the Kohen, no matter how it was born. The Chatzitza question is irrelevant, the interposition question. And therefore he says forceps is 100% irrelevant. Of course you do opinion of Ben, he argues on the so whole he, concept. He he's says, ignoring all the other yes, rulings. He says they're 100% wrong. He says, uh, okay, he this right. is about animals, this is a separate issue. Animals is a question of heebie-jeebies, of holiness. At which point do they acquire this holiness? And humans are also heebie-jeebies. No, but he says humans, it's a monetary question. It belongs to the coin, that's why we wait 31 days. He says there is no condition. Till 31 days, it's a regular baby like any other baby. At 30 days, now you have to go to the Kohen, the Torah says, and, and pay the Kohen. You get back your baby. You have been listening to the MP3 project from the Jewish Ethic Institute. For a complete selection of our lectures, please visit our website at j-ethics.org. Shalom. Shalom.